Happy Friday, Story Fam. Hey, in case you missed it, I made a huge announcement at the Stories Services last Sunday. After seven months of some very real <laughs> uncertainty, our church finally has a new home. Starting in January, the Story Church is going to be headquartered in the heart of Houston's gorgeous museum district. We're going to have a museum district campus just three miles away from our main campus now. Uh, we've got a little bit of work to do inside the building at our gorgeous new church, which was built in 1939, <laughs> is 15,000 square feet almost and sits on its own city block. It's so perfect for us. It's actually a church building. We're going to be like a grown-up church now at the story. It's going to be a great home for us and all of our ministries, and I can't wait for you all to see it. The address is 4910 Montrose Boulevard, if you all want to drive by it if you're in the city. Otherwise, um, just wait until we open up sometime in January. I think we'll be ready to host our grand opening around Sunday, January 23rd. So circle your calendars, and we'll see you all in the Museum District. God is so good, y'all. I'm so excited, and I can't wait to see you on a Sunday coming up at the Story Church. Now let's get to this week's reflection, which is called, When Living Faithfully Means Leaving Graciously. So, I've been alive for exactly 15,800 days, I counted, (laughs) to the day, and I've never not been a United Methodist. I am so Methodist, and I know that some of y'all don't know this about me, but I am so Methodist that I bleed the carpet color found in every Methodist sanctuary across the world. Now, come to think of it, I guess just about everybody bleeds that color because every Methodist carpet is blood red. So let's try this another way. I'm so Methodist that anytime I get stuck on a problem, I can't help but wonder if it's time to form a new committee to explore it further. (laughs) I'm so Methodist that whenever I hear a character on Star Wars say, may the force be with you, I can't stop myself from responding and also with you. (laughs) Oh, these crack me up. I'm so Methodist that I actually like tuna casserole, soggy green beans in a Pyrex dish full of cream of mushroom soup and fatty bacon and fruit salad with canned grapes and way too many coconut flakes. Now, some of y'all don't get this. Only the real Methodists out there have any idea what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about them potlucks. You know, some of y'all know you're the real ones. Now, the point of all this is simply that my whole life has revolved around the United Methodist Church. And the same is basically true for my wife, Giovanna, who joined the United Methodist Church after moving to Houston at age 17. And she's been a leader in the UMC ever since. We started two thriving campus ministries together while in college before we attended a United Methodist seminary together in Kansas City, where one of us graduated with honors not me. And the other one also graduated, me. (laughs) We each hold a degree called the Master of Divinity, which sounds far more powerful than it really is. Side by side over the years, we have served these amazing churches. First, there was Mooringsport United Methodist Church from 2000 to 2001. This was a rural North Louisiana church of about 50 mostly elderly people who showed me, really showed me, What a force for the greater good on a local level that small country churches can be. I'll never forget Miss Tina's huge heart, Miss Bootsy's deep-fried squirrel brains at the potluck, and how that conservative church 
loved Tommy and Preston, an elderly gay couple who were there almost every Sunday. The second church we served was White Avenue United Methodist Church from 2001 to 2004. This was a small white congregation in the middle of a neighborhood in Northeast Kansas City that had become, over the years, mostly brown and black. While we were there, this church supported our wild ideas to start new ministries that reached dozens of neighborhood kids and eventually allowed Giovanna and I, in our early 20s, <laughs> to plant a new Hispanic congregation within their church walls. I'll be forever grateful for Ms. Betty, who insisted that no children should ever be turned away from entering God's church. And I'll always remember Stephen, the middle-aged man with Down syndrome, who sat with his mother and cried tears of joy in almost every Sunday service. The next church that we served was actually part of White Avenue. It was that Hispanic congregation called Iglesia Metodista Unida. Let me try that again. Iglesia Metodista Unida, Camino Verdad y Vida. Spanish is my second language, in case you didn't know. And this was from 2002 to 2004, a thriving Hispanic congregation that eventually became the largest Spanish-speaking UMC in the state of Missouri. We left this church in the capable hands of our dear friend and associate pastor, the late Gustavo Morales. I can't wait to see Pastor Gus in heaven one day, where I'm sure we'll reminisce about the day we sold 1,400 homemade tamales to buy the church's first drum set. The next church that we served together, Giovanna and I, was Westport United Methodist Church in 2004, and we stayed there until 2014. This was a historic church um, built in 1836 in Kansas City's Westport District with a dwindling congregation, but a thriving homeless ministry. Um, over time, Westport UMC in, in empowered Giovanna and I to plant something called Revolution, which was our brave, bold idea for a new church, for people who don't like church. That's what we said. Westport UMC and Revolution eventually merged into one and continued to serve the community for years after we left until they decided to close in 2019. That homeless ministry continues to serve hundreds of people every week, however, and Giovanna and I smile every time that we remember how we came of age in that place with those people, and we'll always treasure our time that we spent there. From 2009 to 2014, Gio and I served Broadway United Methodist Church. This was another historic church with a storied past in the Waldo neighborhood of Kansas City. Broadway UMC invited Gio and I to plant a new worshiping community that would reach new people for Christ. Are you picking up on a trend here? <laughs> Eventually, that new community merged with the traditional congregation, and we renamed the church Keystone UMC after the Sunday school class that founded Broadway UMC 150 years before. Now, we loved the people there, especially Dr. Gene Lowry, who was a retired legendary preacher and seminary professor who managed to encourage me after every sermon I delivered, even the awful ones. He still offered encouragement. And finally, St. Luke's United Methodist Church, uh, we have served as associate pastors from 2014 to 2021. St. Luke's gave Gio and I the opportunity of a lifetime, really, to plant a new congregation as part of St. Luke's uh, family of ministries. From donning a robe and stole and preaching in big church, um, where the likes of Jim Moore used to preach, who's a legend in his own right, um, to squeezing into those skinny jeans and 
preaching in the gym on a makeshift stage, I have savored every chance I've been given to serve this great congregation at St. Luke's. Gio and I will both always cherish the memories that we've made here and the people that we've met along the way. A few of the names that come to mind, and these are just a few names that stick out. It's by no means an exhaustive list, but Pat Deckert and Phil Murray, Neil Stovall and Judge Bonnie Hellams, Carol Stith, the AG sisters, the great Reverend Bill Denham, who's also resting with Jesus now, Rob Delaney at Student Ministries at St. Luke's, and so many more lay people and staff who have been so encouraging and prayerful and loving over the years to Gio and I and our kids and our community of the story. And even now, as we prepare to leave St. Luke's, I can't believe that I ever even had the privilege of serving this great church in the first place. It has truly been an honor. Now, throughout these 22 years serving as pastors in the United Methodist Church, we've always worked hard to give our churches everything that we had to give. We've also always remained in good standing with the denomination while receiving various kinds of awards and recognitions and articles written about what we're doing and all this stuff. And I say none of this to be boastful, honestly. This is just my attempt to communicate how deeply entrenched and for how long Geo and I have been part of the United Methodist Church so that nobody can ever wonder if we've been impatient or imprudent in reaching this major decision that I need to share with you right now. It is with uh, thankful but heavy hearts that Gio and I have decided to surrender our clergy credentials to Bishop Scott Jones of the Texas Conference and to end our relationship with the United Methodist Church, effective at the end of 2021. Some of you probably love the UMC, and you may have questions about why we're leaving, while others of you probably can't tell a Methodist from a Mennonite or a Mormon or whatever, and you can't wait for this season to be over so we can all just move on and talk about something else. And if that's you, if you're the latter, I'm sorry. You know, perhaps we should form a new committee to address your concerns. (laughs) I'm kidding. But if you're the former and you're wondering what led us to this seemingly drastic decision, well, aside from what I shared a couple of weeks ago uh, in my Friday Grace and Truth about the current state of affairs in the UMC, Gio and I just don't feel too inclined to publicly air any of our grievances with the only denomination we've ever called home. Now, are there real theological problems that concern us about the UMC? Yes. Have the events of the last seven months revealed some things about this denomination that maybe we didn't see before? Uh, Probably, yeah. Have we been heartbroken, gutted, and even betrayed at times through this whole ordeal? I mean, yes, you have no idea, probably. But who benefits when Christians go public with our interpersonal hurts and institutional harm? I don't think anyone but the devil does. So instead, we should always remain, whenever possible, remain eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, as Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, because this is the way of Jesus Christ. And that's why, as it has been our pleasure to bless the United Methodist Church from within for so many years, it will soon become our pleasure, by the grace of God, to bless the UMC from without for many years to come. To again quote 
the letter uh, called Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's it for this week, everybody. I love you. Thank you for all your prayers and support. God is good and he is always good. And I can't wait to see you all again on Sunday. Bye, everybody.